You're listening to the SEO for Photographers podcast by Fuel Your Photos. In each episode, Dylan and Corey discuss topics that will help you get more clicks from Google. Ready to rank? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode 36, and today we're going to be talking about AI and how it impacts search future of the web. This is a topic that I am extremely excited to talk about. Dylan, I know you've been experimenting with things. I've been playing with things. It's going to be fun to just kind of talk about what what ideas we have, what things we've seen. And yes, I'm excited. You excited? I'm super pumped. I mean, I think at least in our minds, the world's kind of changed like last year when ChatGPT came out and like overnight, we're just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like everything is possible now <laughs> but it's like i have yeah. superpowers i have a, a a super intelligent assistant in my pocket and well on my screen whatever and it's pretty crazy i i started using it heavily and then i f- i think there was like all kinds of things where it was limited and it was crashing and you couldn't get into it and i was like i feel like part of my brain is missing and honestly i stopped using it for a little while i think i started getting overwhelmed with all yeah. of the AI news and everything, and I kind of just gave it a break for a little bit. But recently, I've been back into, especially ChatGPT, I have it open pretty much all the time, and I use it at least a little bit daily. It's pretty crazy, the kind of stuff you can do. I think that if you really learn to embrace this technology and work it into your workflows and your, your thinking, your brainstorming, your planning, that it can, it can really take things to the next level. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I feel like I had the same path as you. I I used it very heavily at first and then got massively overwhelmed mentally and took a break and then came back with a vengeance, got the pro subscription, used ChatGPT4 almost daily. So Yeah, and I think that while we are going to try to give you some specific ideas and we'll also just kind of talk about our opinions and thoughts, it's really important that you try this this technology and ChatGPT is one example but you you know google bard and any other ai tool that especially is using a one of the more popular large language models i just signed up for a new one today that a lot of people were saying was significantly better than gpt4 with all of the prompts that they were giving it wow and so like there's new new tools coming out all the time but i think it's just important to play around pretty extensively i think you'll find a lot of opinions that are going to say things like oh, it hallucinates all the time this will never be better than humans you should never trust this like this will never replace r- human writers maybe that's true maybe you know you'll find other people who are like really pro ai writers and they'll say you should just use this for everything i've seen quite a few marketers who are saying you know just use ai to write your content you can pump out way more content rank for way more queries <laughs> maybe that's not great either there's kind of somewhere in between where i think that if you start to use the tools you'll see they're very powerful and they can really improve your creativity your productivity your thinking in general so get your hands on some of these tools and play for yourself and hopefully this episode will give you some ideas on things you want to test yeah so i guess do you want to start looking at maybe a bit about what has changed about search in general since these tools came out and like maybe an overview of how the current status of like these tools as far as like Google search generative and a few of those other like I guess Bing in the real world right now you can actually test AI powered search engines yeah let's do a little history lesson and Dylan you I'll give my rundown real quick and then you add in anything because this is just my opinion and my perspective of how things have gone down but Sure. For the past several years, we've seen AI writers be pretty prominent for anyone who is doing any sort of online writing. If you've been trying to outsource your writing, if you've tried to use article writing services, this kind of stuff is not new whatsoever. At least three or four years, I've seen people talking about AI writers. And I tested some things out probably 2019, 2020 for sure. And I was like, you know, it's not that's not bad. This might be interesting. Like maybe I could use this for some applications. I tested Jasper whenever it first came out, or I guess when it was Jarvis or actually it had it, it was something else before that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's whenever I was testing it. And it was, 
surprisingly good compared to the other writers that had come before it. And I think yeah. that was probably, in my mind at least, in the circles that I'm connected to, that was the first time that an AI writer started to like really gain traction with writers, with people who were generating content for the web. They were like, oh, wow, this is better than anything we've seen so far. And it was really impressive. And a lot of people started using it. But I think what really started to change the game was with ChatGPT being open to the public. In November of last year, in 2022, we saw that they kind of skipped the line a little bit. There were, like, for example, Google has been saying that they were working on using AI in search and AI chat assistance and things like that for quite a bit. I mean, if you go look online and look at some of the forums and things like that, you'll see maybe two years ago, Google had similar capabilities to what we saw with, with ChatGPT when they released it, but they were not releasing it on purpose because they were like, this could be dangerous to the general public. A lot of misinformation can be given and it can be given in a way that is very convincing. You can give yeah. very confidently wrong answers and Google knows that their brand is associated with trust. The, the, they vetted the results. They give results that are likely to come from reputable sources. And, you know, if you've ever done anything with SEO, you know about this concept of authority and trust. And Google is the one who is coming up with a system to tell you whether or not you should be able to trust the results that you're looking at. And it's not perfect at all, but it's actually pretty good. And I think that they knew that they couldn't risk their reputation by giving people results that might not be as trustworthy as what they're accustomed to from Google. Because if Google's telling me this, it must be true, right? And that <laughs> right. would be the, the prevailing thought if they just like released it onto search. But OpenAI was like, you know what? We think people need to see this. And from some interviews that I've heard, one with Bill Gates and one with Sam Altman and several others, but those in particular, they talked about a scenario where last year in August, I believe, they were doing a demo of GPT-4 to Bill Gates. And he was like, oh, <laughs> this is different. And yeah. they were like, you know, we think that, you know, a lot of people talk about safety and alignment and all these things. They're like, we think that people need to get their hands on this because it's coming. Like we're about to change the world with AI and we think that people need to get used to it sooner than later. So yeah. they made the decision to go ahead and release it on, you know, with, with ChatGPT. People started using it. It was the fastest adopted software. I don't know how you want to like put, but it, the fastest to a million monthly active users of any software ever, apparently. That's what yeah. I've read. And it's because it was magical. Like when you use it, it felt unlike anything we'd seen so far from AI writers. And the way that they put it in this like approachable chat interface where, you know, it was friendly and used conversational tone and could refine its answers based on the prompts that you were giving and could even sometimes tell you when it was wrong or it was, you know, could talk about its limitations and it felt different than what we were used to seeing. And because of the hype, because of this like publicity that it got, Google was like, oh goodness, we are going to have to respond to this. We're going to have, we can't just like continue to not put this out there whenever we have similar technology, especially whenever Microsoft made a huge investment into OpenAI and became this like exclusive search partner where they can use it in their search engine Bing. Google said, well, if they're doing that, then I guess we have to do the same. And that's why we see Google Bard being released and tested and the new Google search experience with AI being demoed and, you know, it's in beta right now. This is a response to directly to ChatGPT. And then one more thing, but I know I'm talking for a long time here, but <laughs> one other thing that I think is incredibly important to understand in this whole ecosystem is that there's also another side that's not just about like content creation, but it's about development. It's about code. And we have Copilot that is a AI code writer. But when ChatGPT was able to basically integrate all of the data from Copilot or from GitHub, it also started to change the approachability of coding, in my opinion. And so a lot of people were saying, 
Oh, now I can write things. I've done it myself. I've written several applications. I've followed tutorials where before I was trying to write something in Python or JavaScript and I was like, oh, this is taking too long. I can't quite figure it out. Running into bugs and can't quite sort through it. So then I abandon it and leave it there. With this, I can just ask ChatGPT to analyze it and say, what's wrong with this? And give me the next steps and it will fix my code. Write my next steps for me. Tell me exactly why it's not working in language that I can understand. And then I can ask follow-up questions that will then be explained to me very clearly. And so we have a whole new generation of developers who are able to build the ideas that they've had for a very long time, but they weren't able to create without investing tens of thousands of dollars into developers. And all of these projects that you'll see, if you look at something like Hugging Face, it's a, a common place for people who are dealing with large language models and machine learning. They've had all kinds of models that were available open source, but now people are actually using ChatGPT to automatically generate new data sets that are then being open sourced. And we have, it's snowballing, right? We have new tools that are able to be made because of ChatGPT or because of GPT-4, GPT-3.5. Like they're able to create newer and better tools Plus, a lot of tools are integrating the features that were kind of showcased with ChatGPT into their tool set, whether that be something like Notion or Google Docs or Bing's Meetings and all, all of these things are, you know, Microsoft's Meeting Suite and all this stuff. So all of this to say, it's been an explosion of AI craze because they finally released something that regular people were able to say, wait this might change things. And people started using it and creating lots and lots of new stuff. What yeah. else did I miss in that history you, lesson? You pretty much got it. Yeah, I, I like you, I used, I think I used some of those early text AI tools, even like pre-pre-Jasper. Like I was trying it out in like 2016 or something <laughs> where it was just like, you knew this was not good text, but you could try to maybe get it to rank for some stuff. So yeah, the, the early stuff was terrible. I, I just think it's so interesting. You're right that these tools have allowed the world to interact with things like code and just natural language. And that's so big. Just being able to tell a tool, like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. How, how should I go about doing this? And it can give you the steps and they're actually sometimes pretty dang accurate and it give you the code and then it might work. And then if it doesn't, you can have it troubleshoot the code and then that might work. It's, it's wild. How that affects photographers today, I don't know. Maybe if you have a, a feature on your website that you've been trying to figure out for a long time, you might be able to, to get closer, have it build a WordPress plugin for you or something. Well, I think it's a good time to sort of take what you just said and, and use it to talk about how the web might change. Like, what yeah. do we expect to see that is drastically different because of the technology that's introduced right now how could everything from search engines to websites to browsers change completely over the next, let's say, a decade? What, what are mm -hmm. some things that you expect to see different? I know there's a lot of things to touch on there, but... I totally... I think for myself, I, I, what I'm noticing with my early use of like Google's search generative experience is that it's kind of the same information just displayed in a better way. Like it... Mm -hmm. it They'll, they'll take the same answer that might have been in a featured snippet or the same businesses that might have been in a map pack and they'll just give you more information give you the information that you're probably looking for in the first place expand on the topic a bit more and so you're you're getting results from a website that are just more aligned with what the actual end user was hoping to achieve with their original query and so i think the world will kind of move in that direction where you're just you're getting the experience you always wanted, I guess. I don't know. That's like a weird answer, but well, I, um, I think it's interesting to compare to other things that we have that are somewhat similar. So, for example, I use the Google Assistant pretty often. I have a Google Pixel, and I have the Google Home Minis around my home in several places. We actually have an Echo Dot or whatever as well. My wife's an Apple user; uses Siri all the time. And yesterday, actually, we were using Siri in the car and asked a simple question and it gave an answer. And I'm like, 
Siri is the dumbest AI assistant. Like it is <laughs> not very good at all compared to what I'm used to now after using ChatGPT. It makes these sort of voice assistants that we've been using pretty terrible. I always thought that Google had a little bit better uh, assistant from like these sort of voice prompts. I think their knowledge graph is really good. And I think that they've done a really good job of analyzing the query. But they, they do it in yep. search, you know, I don't know how many times a day, millions, probably billions of times a day. So they can take that knowledge that they've collected, the data that they've collected, and apply it to interpreting queries from voice commands really fast and really well. But even now, when I use Google to ask a question, I'm like, but that's not the answer I'm looking for. And if I would have asked ChatGPT, it would have given me exactly what I was looking for. It's like what yeah. you're saying. You're getting what you were actually wanting. But I think it's interesting to think that there's websites which give us like a complete visual experience and then there's voice assistants which give us a completely voice generated experience and audio interface but we haven't even yet seen like a really great mix i mean kind of that's what we're getting with the google generative search or with the the bing chat in their search but that's kind of where i'm excited about seeing as ChatGPT introduces more and more plugins where I'm able to interface with data through my chat, I think that I will use it for more and more things. Like instead of going to Google to book a flight, I'm going to ask my assistant, which has a plugin that connects to Google Flights or connects to Priceline or whatever other service. And I'll just say, compare prices for flights to Portland in July, and it will come back with a table in my chat that I'm having with it. And it will let me interact with that information. And, you know, I can follow up with more questions. I can click on the links. And if I want to know something visual and I say, can you tell me the difference between a cheetah and a leopard? And it can show me photos and like even maybe draw on the photos and like give me like really specific, maybe it generates new AI photos, who knows? But like <laughs> the idea of it bringing in visuals and bringing in data from multiple sources all into the same chat interface where I can follow up with more questions. That's what I'm looking for. I love the idea of that experience. And I don't, uh, personally, I don't think we've seen yet what the ultimate search interface will look like in the future. I don't think it's going to be very much like a Google search now. And I don't think it's going to be very much like a voice assistant interaction. And I don't think it's going to be very much like a website. I think yeah. it's kind of like an AI chat bot, like with, with OpenAI right now. But also, I think it's going to let me sort of build the page as I go and like here, save that over here for later. And then let me look at this other stuff. And over in this right pane, it's going to be like suggesting more topics that might be related to the conversation that I'm having that I might want to explore next. And I might be able to, I don't know, I think that there's going to be some really interesting opportunities. So Dylan, use your imagination and tell me what you think. If I were searching for a wedding photographer in Portland or planning my wedding even in Portland in, in 10 years, what yeah. is it going to look like when I decide to ask questions to my, either my digital assistant or, you know, use the web to find the information that I'm looking for? Totally. So you'd be laying in bed with your like new Apple goggles, right? And <laughs> good point. You yeah. just think, oh no, my wedding's coming up next year. I should start planning that. And it would, it would see that brainwave and it would just like start planning in the right. background. But he, he's not being sarcastic. Like this is probably real technology. That's Look up there. the tech, the studies they're doing right now with MRIs and then taking brainwaves and then turning it into images that represent what someone's thinking they're doing that right now yeah it's wild <laughs> anyways i think it would be some, something like that but yeah we would we'd probably even do like a voice prompt and just be like i need to start planning my wedding you're going to be my wedding planner please outline where i sh which aspects i should start planning give me top 10 lists for each vendor role i'd like to see reviews of the top five and four full portfolios and it, just like have it start like building out the entire process of like comparing vendors maybe it integrates like your Pinterest board or something or some like something like that where it, yeah, it gets I think that's actually a good point in integrating your preferences because do you need to even ask it questions like you probably know, give me the top 10 vendors like it knows <laughs> exactly. that already like it can figure yeah. that part out but it'll be interesting to see in your little metaverse world of you know your digital avatar your identity your digital identity 
is it saving all of these preferences? Like the same way that exactly. Google or Facebook or whoever is storing all this information about us now, will we get to have some access to those that information, that data and build it ourselves and then let right. our AI assistant kind of know our preferences so that it can generate, like I can just say, so getting married, yep. help me plan my wedding. And then Do just the takes it. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that's so true because it's like, I'm a vegan. Whenever I search for restaurants, I only search for vegan restaurants. These tools should know me by now. I, I, I guess when I open Yelp or something, it, it just says like, you're looking for vegan food. <laughs> like, but yeah, like tools like that should understand what part of the town you are, are always in, all of your preferences, your style, your budget. Like it checks your bank account and figures out if you can afford this venue or not. Right. I might um, even look back at the locations you've visited. I mean, I know that's all in my Google photos and my, my Google account knows all the places I've visited, the photos I've taken in those places. Could it like analyze that and say, here's what you usually find important when you go to places like this. You right. might like venues that are kind of like this. Right? That'd be awesome. No reason it can't do that, you know? Totally. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's wild. I, I think that it, it's giving us a much better experience potentially. I think it, I, I like the creativity that these tools bring into the world. I feel like it does when they work well, I feel like I do have a, a better experience throughout different aspects of my life. So it's, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. So let's actually kind of shift to more practical <laughs> near term. Um, yeah. What, what can you be doing right now to make sure that as these things get going, as we start to shift in the way that people are searching and exploring data and browsing the web and interacting with the information that's available on the web, how might photographers want to think about making sure that their websites are set up and ready for these AI systems? And what kind of things yeah. might we use to test that? Totally. I think my favorite right now is to go get a pro account on chat GPT and use GPT four with web browsing. And that will allow you to say things like go to this website, put in your website and say, review the services that this business offers or, or tell me what services this business offers or tell me more about this business and see what, what chat GPT can understand from browsing your website. I did it on mine and I was kind of blown away with how accurate it was. It picked up on a lot of really nuanced detail. I could even read a few examples, but mine, mine says Dylan M. Howell is a wedding photographer based in Portland with over 13 years of experience. I have an affinity for the Pacific Northwest natural beauty. I shoot in the Pacific Northwest, California and worldwide. My availability is limited for 2023. A few open dates later this year, highly recommended by past clients. It lists some like different things that were common throughout the different testimonials on my site. It talks about how my website also offers wedding planning resources, including a wedding venue guide for Portland, an engagement ring guide for Portland, and a list of wedding dress shops in Portland, which those are like the three main guides on my site that drive traffic, and it understands that well. And then it says that there's a recent or recent blog post showcase various weddings and elopements that I've photographed, which is cool because I have been on it, like for myself, I've been posting a lot of recent weddings and elopements on my blog lately, and it noticed that. And then it says that there's a contact form that prospective clients can get in touch with. And then I've operated out of Portland or I operate out of Portland as of the year 2023. So it understands it fairly well. We've, we've ran it through other sites that it did not understand quite as well. Yeah. I think that's important to note is that even though that one sounded great, it's not always like that. You can definitely no. run some photography sites through this and it would be like giving false information or just not understand it at all, or give very, very generic information that it found on the page. Do it for, your competitors, some photographers yeah. who you think have great websites, try to see what are the points that it brings up where you're like, Oh yeah, actually that's really an important thing that I wanted to know, you know, and, the, and even that it said, you know, you operate out of Portland as of 2023, like just knowing that the, it's up to date. How did it know that? Did it find your, right. you know, what, what information did it use to, de to determine that was a fact? Now, a couple of thoughts here. One, if you don't have ChatGPT Pro or aren't interested in getting it, I mean, it's $20 a month and even just using it for a few months is probably a worthy investment. But yeah. you can use Bing. If you have the Edge browser, they have this like Bing assistant built in and you can click on it on any page on the web and then just ask it questions about that page and it will do this a similar thing. It theoretically is using 
the same technology, but it might use a different sort of prompt framework, like the internal, what's the word I'm looking for? The, yeah, that like set of rules that it, that it follows. Exactly. There's a word for it. as well. Anyway, yeah. the AI people will know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the, the, the oh, system message, is that what it is? Yeah. Anyway, so like there's, there's some instructions that it has that are kind of programmed into the way that it interfaces. Like ChatGPT is meant to be a chat agent. And so the Bing might be a little bit different or have different rules about what is appropriate, what's not, and all those things. Anyway, it's similar. And then also Google Bard, we tested that earlier and it can also browse a URL and give you information. Now, it was really interesting because the Bard summary gave me some decent stuff like it i like how it gave me bullet points and there were some things that were absolutely helpful but it also gave me some things that were completely made up it said that dylan was part of the portland photographers guild which we don't even think is a thing (laughs) and that he's won numerous awards including the wedding wire couples choice award which he's never even been on wedding wire (laughs) but it was pretty amazing but (laughs) even though those are completely false, right? And you have to be careful right now with that kind of thing. It shows the direction that Google is going with it, where it's like, here's some information we found about Dylan from his website. And here's some information that we know about Dylan from other places on the web. I think that's ultimately where it will end up. It's like, you can ask something about a website and it will say, here's what we know directly from the website. And here's what we know from information we've collected that other people have said about this business, this brand, this website. And I think it can combine all of that. And eventually it will be able to, I think they'll refine it to the point where it's fact checking itself, at least to mm-hmm. at, at one level, or it is at least giving the sources for where it found that information. And so all of that, it can be very helpful to sort of enlighten you on how search engines gather information, how they might prove which site is better or worse. And anyway, it's really interesting. Speaking of that, so yeah. assuming that you have a solid platform that is going to like showcase the information, it's going to make it easy for a JavaScript crawler to parse and download the text and be able to read that text, which by the way, that's the number one problem that I've had so far. It's kind of the the, the uh, ChatGPT web browsing tool is a little bit buggy. And what happens is it will do a Bing search and it will try to click on a page and open it and read the text. And it just fails, fails reading the content. That happens quite often, maybe 50% of the time. So a really quick test for someone who's like really getting into the weeds on this, maybe do a ChatGPT prompt that says something like search Google for wedding photographers in Portland and give me a summary of the top 10 results and see if it can actually like click on the top 10 results and give you, you know, summarize each, if it can access that information. So assuming that you don't have any technical issues that are limiting the crawler from accessing the information, which should be, if you're doing SEO and you're like trying to optimize for Googlebot, it's probably very similar to that. Like if that can, those should both be able to work. What other things would you say like is it more important now to include certain types of information on your home page or like yeah. it, maybe it can browse through multiple pages but as of right now it doesn't seem to do that it goes to the one page that you give it and it's not like following extra links i'm sure they'll get to that point mm-hmm. but do we get more information on one page is that important yeah that definitely could be the case i i, I there are so many factors in seo right now that are just really pointing to me wanting to optimize the homepage in a way that has more information. Not quite back to that like single page website trend that we had a few years back, but like a lot of your about me information should probably also be on your homepage, at least the important biggest hits, I guess your experience, maybe some big awards you've won reasons why people should treat you as an authority or an expert. Yeah, I think it's, you know, just doing this, like I said earlier, going through some competitor sites and just like, poking around yourself, yeah. I, I really think it'll be revealing to say, you know, what do I, do I agree with this summary? And what is it missing that I would have wanted to know about this photographer? And what did it give me that I didn't even expect it to know about this photographer? Make notes of those things and then, you know, use yeah. that to help you shape like, what you're adding to your own homepage. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. We've we've also done a little bit of testing, a few minutes of testing on which platforms these tools seem to access that data on most easily. And I think that's just going to be a much more important consideration going forward than it has been in the past, where maybe show it or other like drag and drop builders that make pretty content might not make the content that these tools can understand it quite as easily. Right. If you're talking um, about Squarespace Fluid Engine, for example, sure. if they're, you know, they're doing it in such a way that browsers can interpret it and Google has had lots of time to be able to try to render JavaScript correctly and get the content out like a, a user would see it. But some of these other tools might not have that yet. And needing to be able to crawl a simplified text version of the page could be critical for some of these tools. And and it's not that OpenAI can't figure that out. And I'm yeah. sure that they, along with Microsoft and being and like their investment partners and stuff, they'll figure this stuff out pretty well because they're a big company that's going to make really big moves. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the only thing. I, again, earlier yeah. I mentioned that I signed up for a new... Man, I cannot even think of the name of it right now. It starts yeah. with a C, I think. But anyway, I signed up for a new thing to test because people were talking about it. And I think that there's going to be plenty of new apps, assistance programs. Like even I might be using Notion to write a summary of something. And I might say, can you summarize from blah, blah, blah website? So all of these different AI tools are going to use different methods for being able to crawl website, parse the information, extract the text, and then crawl the, or read that text. So being very sure that your platform is not just focused on the visual, but also what's behind it is the HTML, you know, is it rendered in such a way that these tools can easily parse it? Yeah. And then maybe think about structured data as well. (laughs) Speaking of that, I think that's a really good point. We were talking earlier about schema, not in this podcast, but beforehand. And I think that I was giving the example of how MySpace and Facebook kind of the evolution there where Facebook standardized a lot of things about profiles where it was really easy to know how to interact with other profiles where with MySpace, maybe you had a little bit more customization options and things could be a little bit different. This sort of standardization and then essentially creating a schema that allows you to always give information in the way that will work with another platform the same thing if you just look at schema.org it was a project from google microsoft who i don't remember who the partners were who like came up with this idea but they're like let's come up with a standardized way of representing certain types of information that we know that we're going to want to pull into knowledge graphs and other things that we're building here and that's the whole idea behind schema i think for the future schema will become even more important I think that it's very likely, though, that we'll see that AI, the big AI tools are inventing their own schema, which is really interesting to think about. And I I don't know that I believe that it will need to use our kind of specified schema, but I do think that doing so is going to make it easier for them to parse, especially in the short term. I don't mean, to be clear, I don't mean that photographers need to like go really heavy on optimizing schema like go to schema.org and find all the schema information that i mean like sure use the local business schema or, or website schema or whatever but i do think that we will start to see certain information that if you present it in a specific way that tools will start to be expecting it to be found in that certain way so just keep an eye out on what might be changing in that space it's kind of a nerd cool. topic there. I don't. I don't want people to get like over. <laughs> don't want to go too schema, deep. Yeah. But I do think it's something that's going to be worth talking about. For sure. Uh, you want to talk about, in general, how we might use ChatGPT to help with content marketing because this is something that I'm yeah. very interested in, and not just improving your website, making sure your website's ready for AI, but also how do if I'm wanting to let's say i don't really enjoy blogging but i think that i need to blog first of all is that even a thing and second of all (laughs) if i want to create better content should i be using ai and is there a certain way that i should be using ai what are your thoughts yeah totally so my my entire thoughts i've i've kind of narrowed down to this i think that ai tools have made content creation far too easy to create bland surface level, somewhat meaningless content. No deep thoughts are really presented, no interesting thoughts, no unique or 
creative ideas are really shared. There's no thought leadership in AI, really. It's just they're they're looking at available, like previously available information. They're summarizing it. They're they're. I mean, these literally, these language models are literally just calculating what is the most likely next word and putting that word in place. It's not really saying much. And so the way I think you can win with content marketing going forward is really putting yourself in into the position of a thought leader, thinking about what maybe angles of a problem haven't been solved or shared or published. It's, yeah. You know, Google has always had their EAT and they recently updated mm-hmm. it to EEAT and they're really emphasizing this idea of experience and expertise, yeah. uh, meaning the experience part being an important, a key piece of how they determine whether content is actually helpful is does the person who's writing this have real firsthand experience with the topic that they are writing about. This is especially important in product reviews where what was happening is a lot of people were just summarizing other reviews and trying to rank better because of their authority or, you know, they were adding more words or whatever. And it was like, it's still clear that you've never used this vacuum before or whatever. Right. right? And they're just doing it for affiliate commissions. And so I think that Google has already given us lots of clues to say, we are going to put even more emphasis than ever on human experience and expertise. You know, trustworthiness and authoritativeness are also still a big piece of the puzzle. But I think for me, it has really come down to that. What are the things that I have experienced as a human that other humans might want to know about? Like, what can I give them? What insight can I give them because I've done it? And they'll trust me because they'll say, I can tell that this person has actually done it. They have insight that it's clear that you could only get by actually doing it. That's valuable. And I think that that's something that Google is trying to find a way to, to, mm, they're trying to figure out how to make sure that they can rank that, right? And so the search evaluator guidelines are asking the evaluators to label that. And then they're going to use AI to look for similar patterns in other content and say, well, this looks like content that's probably got experience. So that'll be interesting. I I think that's going to be key. Yeah. That was a really interesting Google update to follow like in mid March that was going after just that, like Mm -hmm. really nuking product review sites that were just kind of fake. (laughs) Yeah. What else? What else can, okay. So like using tool usage. Yeah, totally. One of my favorite things to do is put myself in the position of a, potential client as they're planning whatever event you're trying to photograph or whatever your service is. And so for me, it would be like plan a wedding in Portland, Oregon, like try to just go through that entire process using chat GPT and see how I could better create content on my site that would be helpful for those queries and come up in those queries and be cited in those queries. That's one of my main use cases now. Yeah. We have an article on feelyourphotos.com that is how photographers should be using ChatGPT. I think I put that out in December, but still very helpful in my opinion. Lots of really interesting examples. I think that's really helpful for a lot of people who don't feel creative or haven't used these tools a lot yet. You'll hear a lot of people talk about being prompt engineers or all these different like <laughs> workshops on teaching you how to use ChatGPT and better prompts. And some people like come up with these really crazy advanced prompts. And I have found personally that they don't give me better results in most cases that I'm actually better off to just give it something really simple and then start refining what I'm looking for by asking follow-up questions. So check out the article that we already have, but I kind of want to just mention that there are quite a few people who I've seen recently who are promoting the idea that you should just do content marketing with ChatGPT, where you should, there's one person who was doing SEO for photographers and made a tool, then they can, they said, just put in a competitor's article and we'll rewrite it for you in completely unique <laughs> content that's SEO optimized and ready to publish. To me, that's, a, that's terrible, like just completely unethical. You should not be publishing something like that. It's stealing, in my opinion. Even if it is technically new content that's written by AI, if it's based on, you know, if it's basing it on something else that's already out there, then we could get into the ethics of AI in in general, but that's too long of a conversation. 
that kind of thing is just not it shouldn't make you feel good about what you're publishing. Like you should be publishing things that share something unique that you want to say to the world. It's like one of the most important things about a website is it's your own personal publishing platform where you get to have a conversation with other humans through the internet, which it's an amazing part about being alive in this time. And so I, I just, I think that you should absolutely be using AI. Just don't, don't completely lean on it. I've seen quite a few articles, even even in our course community and in our Facebook group, we'll have people who will, they'll be trying this in the beginning. And I'll look at it and say, you know, this was a good start, but we still need to make sure that your voice is coming through in this. And it's not good enough, in my opinion, to start with ChatGPT, have it write you an article, and then just like add a few things. Like just go in there and like, maybe tweak it a little bit or add one story that you use your personal story or whatever. Like that can maybe sometimes it's close enough. And Dylan, you maybe can talk in a second about the, like the pixie set blogger and things like that for certain types of work. But like, if you're trying to write some sort of authoritative content, that is, you know, a guide to wedding venues in your location or things to do with families in a location or, you know, something about, headshot sessions and like what you need to be portraying and like all these kinds of things where you might have specific information and experience based on the fact that you've done these things. You can use ChatGPT in the process to help you think about new angles that you missed. You can have it analyze your tone. You can have it, you know, start brainstorming with ChatGPT. Say, I want to write an article about things to do with my family in in Columbia, South Carolina, I've got a couple of ideas and I would like some more similar ideas to add to my list. And then, you know, start with that. And then you go through and say, okay, so here's the things I'm going to have on my list. Maybe even give it like four or five bullet points for each of the locations. Or if you're, you know, let's say you're writing a wedding venue roundup. Let's say you give it the pros and cons that you think should be included for each of the venues and then have it give it a first give you a first draft and then go back through that like this is the way that i use it it's just brainstorming it's creating drafts it's you know going back through and reworking certain sections it's adding in new information but especially i like to ask for what's likely missing if i'm trying to talk to x avatar like a certain type of person what might they ask about this that i didn't cover it's surprisingly good at giving that kind of information. Yeah. Whenever I was, I was analyzing a landing page recently and I was like, summarize this landing page, summarize it. It was very good. And I said, now what kind of questions might people have or what objections might they have to purchasing this? And it gave me some objections and I was like, wow, that, that was really good. And while I knew three or four of these, some of them, I was like, I would have never quite thought of it like that. And again, especially if you can give it information about who you're trying to reach it can give you even more specific information about why that very specific person might want some different information or anything that you've you've left out. So that's my my main way of using ChatGPT for writing. I like it. You mentioned like some blogging tools that have come out recently. I think I've seen quite a few SEO tools kind of come out with like AI versions. I think Rank Math has their own. SEMrush has one now, and then one I've been testing is from PickTime. We worked with, I worked with them to create a prompting system that would, it would take what I think is like the typical photographer workflow for blogging, where you pick your photos, you try to remember a few key takeaways of the day, maybe like write a paragraph about what happened, what was unique, what was special. And then it would kind of expand on it from there. And we, we also put into place some schema where if you want to try to rank for the venue name, you could list the venue's address and the venue's locate or hours and capacity and pricing and, and things like that. So it would be able to weave that information throughout the story in a way that should be helpful to the potential clients. In general, I think it 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 is better than just doing a three sentence blog post that just mentions how great your couple was and has no meaningful information. I think that that these blog posts can rank in low competition queries and for single venues, probably just fine. But like you said, I, I wouldn't use a tool like that for building out like my main content on my site, like big guides, actual 
one, two, three, four thousand word posts where I, I go in, in depth on a topic. I want that to be written by hand and probably at most use a tool like ChatGPT for poking holes in what I've written, looking at what I've done and making suggestions, or maybe even like an outline at the start. But. Let's clarify for a second here. Do you think that sure. AI content for like a 4,000 word guide can yeah. rank well in Google and drive traffic? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think, I mean, I've, I've done it on some test sites. Uh, it, it can take some work. I think it's difficult to put one prompt into chat GPT, say, this might even be above the pro limit limits, but say like write a 4,000 word blog post about this topic. I, I think that might just be nauseating to read if a person made it that far. But if you spent an afternoon and put together 20 or 30 prompts and wrote some of your own information in it and put that together into a 4,000 word guide, that might be like a human might read that and actually gain some information and that it might actually be helpful. And yeah, that, that could definitely rank. I, I see content like that ranking currently and I've done it on my own. I've seen articles that people just say, give me a 4,000 word article on X topic and let it write for them. Okay. So it's probably not ChatGPT. I think there's yeah. Zimwriter. There's like a couple other ones that are kind of made for that sort of long form thing for people who are doing like affiliate SEO and stuff. And yep. I've seen them drive hundreds of thousands of clicks from Google with yeah. only like completely AI written content. Yep. I don't know. I just don't think it's going to stand the test of time. I don't think so either. I mean, I, I think that it, it all comes back to like, is it like if a human read that, are they actually having a good experience? And I don't know. I, I, every time I read that information, even if, even by the best tools, by the end, I'm like, I can tell it has a formula. I can tell like when it's doing certain things that aren't, they're expected, I guess there's, they're, they're very, I mean, you can just, you can guess what the next paragraph is going to be. I think that's I the key, right? If, if AI can write it now, then likely Google is just going to be answering it directly soon. Right? They don't yeah. need to send you to something that was AI generated because if it's easy enough to AI generate, then they can probably generate the answer. So that's something that we didn't bring up quite yet. And we've kind of been like talking all around it, but we were talking earlier about information gain and the idea that yeah. your articles should add something unique to the conversation that maybe you don't find online. I actually have an article. We'll try to throw it in the show notes, but it's from animals with a z which is a seo agency that has some really cool stuff on their blog and they talk about some examples of how to find opportunities for information gain one is unserved intent so it's like you're you went to google and you did a search and you feel like your specific use case isn't really represented there missing information which is similar as you're reading something you're like it's so weird that no one has even mentioned x if you know that because you're reading something and you have experience and you think it's weird that people aren't mentioning it that's probably a good sign that you could write that and add to the conversation differences in opinion where you feel like your opinion is drastically different from the thing that you're reading and that it's not being represented well mistakes in comprehension especially in google results where or whenever you're reading something you're like they don't really get what i was asking it's kind i mean like clearly they're answering this topic but they just don't understand what i really meant by this that's a good sign that you could write something there's also some things like counter narrative opinions that's mm -hmm. similar to what i already said difference in opinion personal narrative so just telling your own story and your perspective and why you believe what you believe and how you got to your opinion data storytelling which is you know taking information and interpreting it through your own lens and through your experience and then telling what you what you think that data is, is saying industry analysis so just saying something that you might know because you're in the industry you know if you're a photographer and you want to write something about gear or software for photographers or something where you're like, listen, I can like Dylan and I could probably write about websites for photographers with some industry analysis that a lot of people don't have access to. We can give you information from talking to the CEOs of these companies and being able to really kind of know the roadmap of all of the different software that's available. And we can give you really interesting industry analysis that most people couldn't give you. 
or network connections, like using your personal connections with other humans to, you know, maybe most people don't have access to someone that you could interview and you could ask them questions and, and share that. These are just some examples, but the idea is think about what's missing from the online conversation for the people who you are trying to reach. If you know who you're trying to reach through search, what is it that they're going to say, man, people just don't quite get me. The answers that I'm looking for just aren't quite here. And if you can add that, in my opinion, that will win in the long run. It might just seem like philosophical and you might see that all these people are writing AI content and it's working for them for now. But I really do believe that Google will figure out how to know that there is information by humans for humans. And I think that's what they're going to put at the top of the rankings. Yeah. I think of it like the, the world is like a big Wikipedia right now. And if you, if you looked at the Wikipedia listing for that topic, like what's missing from here, what can I add? That's one of my favorite pastimes is to like look at Wikipedia articles for like really niche celebrities or niche people and be like, there's so much missing from this profile. Like that's, those that could be your blog ideas, and it's, your content ideas. It's so cool that, you know, like trying to add something to Wikipedia is a pain because they're extremely strict about what they want to, their standards for including new information, which I think that's good. I, I am glad that Wikipedia yeah. does that, but you've got your own personal website and you can write your opinions. You can write your personal experience. You can write anything you want. I mean, I'm not advocating for writing things that are false, but I'm saying sometimes opinions are valuable and Wikipedia doesn't really allow for opinions. So I think that's one of the cool things about having a blog. Yep. Very cool. Well, I think this has been a, a great conversation on AI. We could, we could talk about this all day, but I think this is a good starting point for some great discussion that we should hopefully have in the comments or in the group. This has been a super fun topic to discuss. Yeah, for sure. I would love to hear your thoughts on the future of AI and where you think it's going and what you find as you're using AI tools. Leave it here in the comments for the the podcast episode. I think that would be a great place for us to reply and keep this updated in the future. Awesome. Take care, everybody. Next episode. This podcast is brought to you by our very own SEO course. SEO can be difficult to learn and implement on your own and troublesome to hire out. To fix this, we've created a course that walks you through the steps to optimize your own site from start to finish. Visit fuelyourphotos.com to learn more.